We come to this place for magic. We come to pop pull review, to laugh, to cry, to drink. Because we need that, all of us. That indescribable feeling we get when we hit the play button and go somewhere we've never been before. Sound that I can feel. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Not just entertained, but somehow reborn. Together. Pop Poor Review. We make movie podcasts better. You really don't want me to play, huh? No, I do. Captain Howdy said no. Captain who? Captain Howdy. Who's Captain Howdy? You know, I make the questions and he does the answers. Oh, Captain Howdy, yes. Yeah, nice. Oh, I bet he is. Here, I'll show you. Welcome back, everyone. Have you popped open a beer or poured yourself a glass of wine yet? Because you're listening to Pop Pour Review. We are the movie podcast where we journey through the IMDb Top 250 list. If you don't have a drink yet, you can try today's inspired drink based off The Exorcist number 228. That's the number as we record the episode. It is called The Scariest Drink of All Time. It is Midori Melon Liqueur, Quintrow, Lemon Juice, and a splash of Grenadine. Uh, Kelly's on vacation this week. Uh, so we have, so Jimmy and I are joined by some very special guests. Welcome the Happy Hard Time hosts, Tim Murdoch and Matt Emmerich. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. Hello. Thanks for having us, guys. I kind of want to try that drink now. Yeah, let's get wasted. <laughs> yeah, every every uh, every episode, I a while ago, I was making them all every single time. We were trying them, and it got very complicated to make a drink every single week and supply alcohol because it's very expensive. But, um, yeah, I make we make a drink every week, theoretically. I love Midori. That's a that's quite a drink. I love the green. That I can't for, spare any brain cells because alcohol kills them. That's that is correct. <laughs> and also, you know, I realized after the fact, I'm like, oh, it's green, and she like vomits uh, pea soup. Pea soup, so it kind of fits with the movie even more. Yeah, I think the drink would be better if you added a little pea soup to it. I don't know. <laughs> you could just throw some throw make, some tequila and some pea soup. Throw a straw in there. Make it like a martini and just skewer some peas right oh, there. That's not bad. Oh actually. God. Now I want to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, for everyone listening, do you want to exp- uh, kind of give a little summary of your podcast so everyone kind of gets to know you? Yeah, sure. I mean, Tim and I have been doing it. We're coming on three years, uh, and we kind of switch off between reviewing new horror films and interviewing stars from, like, classic movies like 80s and 90s horror um, and we've done over 75 interviews. We're up to close to, we're getting closer to 200 episodes. So, yeah, we either review new horror films or talk to stars from the films. So and kind of and like when that. we do talk to them, the number one movie that they talk about, when we say, hey, was there a movie that had an impact on you? They always say The Exorcist. Like 90% of the time, it's always The Exorcist that impacted them as a kid. Always. I know I, it was funny when I was when we were doing the episode because like when we picked it, the director just died, and I was like, "Oh, let me go on a limb and just mess Instagram message Linda Blair. Let's see if she'll come on the show." She never answered me. She left me on red. But I was like, oh, I was like, maybe there's a small chance she wants to talk to this podcast. <laughs> she did not. But she read it. No, she I'm sorry. It. When I say red, I mean she didn't even look at it. <laughs> oh, okay. She left me on red. I know. Wow. Uh, I mean, we have not been able to get Linda Blair on our podcast either. So, you know, I, I think she does go to conventions, though, still. But she's very dedicated to, like, her animal cause. Yeah. Right? I think mm-hmm. sometimes, like, she donates all her money to the, the animals. I think, yeah, I think, I mean, but she did go to, um, she was at Midsummer Scream, which is a horror convention in California that is 
takes place during the summer and she was one of the people you could go and you know you have to pay to get their autograph and talk to them but so it's cool so she's still embracing it you no know? yeah so if you guys ever get her on tell her a podcast called pop poor review tried to get her on whenever you get her and see she's like oh, I, yeah. we totally would <laughs> we've actually interviewed um her co-star in hell night which was the 1981 slasher movie she was in which is actually really good and we're about to talk to another of her co-stars from there so fingers crossed we'd love to get her at some point yeah, yeah. i was gonna say you got you get because you guys yeah if you have that if you have like almost 75 guests you guys have been able to get a lot of people we sometimes i'll reach out to like a person that's like in the movie and they don't even reach back so obviously you have a better touch than that you know well, what? All I can say is persistence. It's yeah, persistence. It, Matt, I didn't really have that skill until I met Matt. So Matt is very, I don't want to say pushy. I thought you were going to say annoying. No, no. <laughs> no, 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 it's just you. Like, it, it's, it stays on top of it. And also it's about like if you meet people who can introduce you to people, you just keep those connections and follow up. Like that's the thing. Like we don't pay for our interviews. We don't do anything special yeah. other than just trying to keep up connections. It's it's not easy, but like it, it persistence pays off. Yeah. You know? Oh, like, yeah. Out of sight, out of mind, you know. Very true. Don't Very do true. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, if someone get maybe some way, someday soon, maybe we'll either get her and it will, it will be full circle. It will be full circle. Uh, so, yeah. The Exorcist, 1973. The director is William Fredkin, of Friedkin. Uh, the writer is William Peter Blatley, starring Ellen Burstyn, Linda Blair, Jason Miller. The IMDb rating is 8.1 out of 10 uh, compared to the Rotten Tomato score. It is critics 84%, audiences 87%. The letterbox is four out of five. The box office, domestic, back then, it made $230.3 million, which is around $1.6, just for billion, adjusted for inflation. And worldwide, it made $428.2 million in the 70s. And now, adjusted for inflation, it's $2.9 billion, which is pretty crazy for a horror movie back then. Um, and then the Oscars, which is a lot, which I was kind of surprised because I thought people didn't really like this movie critically like they were too scared about kind of surprised the oscars actually gave them nominations best picture nomination best director nomination ellen burston linda blair jason miller all got nominated for their acting and actress and supporting actress and supporting actor it won adapted screenplay it was nominated for best cinematography best production design uh best sound and best editing so it, it got a lot of nominations uh i'm kind of surprised it didn't win a little more if it got that many do you happen to know how much it made in 2000 when it was re-released? That I that they didn't have the real released uh, numbers. Hold on, I might be able to actually find though that if it's. I was uh, just curious because I remember I lived in New York City at that time in 2000, and I remember I don't know why I didn't go see the re-release. I don't even remember that. I was I, in college, but I don't. God. I saw one of the re-releases. Okay, so in 2000, it made 39 million dollars. In seven wow. months. Wow. That's more than a lot of new horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when I actually saw it in the theater was 2010. It only made $235,000. But I think that was like a one night only thing. That's still pretty good for like a one night only. If that's what it was. Yeah. I remember going to I one love- night only. The air conditioning was broken. It was a mess, but I loved every second. Did of anyone it. pass out in the theater? From heat <laughs> exhaustion, maybe. But. <laughs> Why are they not re-releasing it this year for the 50th anniversary? Or are they just they really are focused they on are the Fathom Events well, is are. doing it in the beginning of October. Oh, oh okay. Well, you know, it's I mean, and the sequel comes out perfectly. The the uh, legacy sequel, as they call it, done by David Gordon Green, who did the Halloween trilogy. Because I was yes. going to say before we started recording, we were kind of talking about like horror, horror slash movies and stuff like that. And we were talking about the new Halloweens. Are you excited for the new one because of his track record with the 
new Halloween series. I know the 2018 one's good, but we were saying the other two are a little hit or miss. So are you excited or kind of like not that excited right now? You got to wait and see. So I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think that the first one is going to be good just as Halloween 2018 was good because I think that he really paid fan service in Halloween 2018. He know, He protects the characters from the original and he sticks to what people like. What happens is when you get to the second and third installments, David Gordon Green always wants to get so creative and change things up, and that's where I think he's gonna kind of, kind of mess up with these two. So I'm actually excited about this first one. Let's just see what the second and third one will be like. See, but he just came out with an article. I think uh, I don't know. I don't remember when, but he said that this one's gonna be there's gonna have radical changes in the first one that comes out. So that's what makes me like a little nervous because like his changes aren't that great. It's just weird, though, because the trailer is all, at least half of the trailer is all about Chris McNeil is back and mm-hmm. she's the expert. And she's so, and that's 90, what people right? want to see. Yeah. She's years old. That's amazing. So, yeah. I mean, if he is making radical changes, he's sure not, you know, showing it in the trailer. He's trying to, you know, get people who love the original. There's even footage of Chris in the trailer. So, who knows? I mean, again, it's like you said, it's probably hit or miss, but I feel like because Halloween 2018 was good, maybe this first actress will still be good. Yeah, and as long as they have Linda Blair in it for like, because there's three films, she has to have something. Maybe they'll come, come back for the second one. Maybe uh, she'll I come back. I think she's in the, the first one, unless it's maybe like a very like last minute thing and then she'll be in the second one more. But I did read that she does have a part in this in the new one. I read all I care about. See, I read, but then I read that that was false, and then I read it wasn't false, and then I read, so it's like either they're keeping a good surprise or, I don't know, I guess we'll see. But, I mean, I would hope Linda Blair is in it. But we'll we'll always have Repossessed. Oh, my God. (laughs) Did you guys ever see Repossessed, the the parody of the exorcist that she was in? No, I've heard of it, never saw it. I've seen clips, and it does look... I saw it in the theater in 1990. I... I, it was hilarious. I saw it on like, I don't think HBO. it's hilarious. I, I, I mean, it's funny. <laughs> She's making fun of herself, so yeah. it's funny. We were talking about sequels. Did you guys watch the Exorcist TV show that was on? That was pretty much like a oh, with, sort um, of sequel. Oh, with Gina Davis? Uh, yes. I did not, but I wish I would have. Now I kind of wish I would have. Like, I, I was telling Matt this a little before, or whoever I was talking to over email, me. I get some. Okay, that like, Kim and I, when you listen to our podcast, we're all horror, but like, we really deeply love slasher films it's not that we don't love supernatural films but like we know through and through like the friday the 13th the nightmare on the halloween's the screams so exorcist is something that of course we both had seen multiple times but it was never like a passion of ours so i think that's probably why we both skipped the series right i mean i think yeah i mean we both appreciate it and like we will watch it and like love it but it's never our go-to to like sit and watch. But the Chucky series, we've seen both seasons. Yeah, oh yeah, that, that show is great. I love that show. But but if you guys do get to watch it, it is it is the perfect sequel to the original Exorcist. But it doesn't start until about halfway through the season. You realize what's going on. So I will watch it. Yeah, no, I, now I'm interested. It's it's excellent, and even the second season's great. Even though it's kind of it's separate, but it's it's still a great show. Do they, does Gina Davis play Reagan? Yes, she yeah. does, but you don't find out until oh. about halfway through. Oh, spoiler for anyone oh, else yeah. who's going to watch it. If you're going to watch the oh, TV show. Dead. No, just, oh, so they keep the character. Do they mention her mom, too? Chris? Oh, she shows up. She shows up the way the priest shows up in the movie with the streetlight. Oh. Okay, well, cool. I mean, like, I get, maybe I didn't even know that. I think if I'd known it was these same characters, I would have watched. Matt and I went to go see a play with Brooke Shields. 
Exorcist, a play. Yeah. And in a play? Yeah. It was, I don't know. It's how, almost like, did you hear about Carrie the musical where they did? Yeah. They turned Carrie into a musical. Yeah. They do that. And they did this with, was it a musical? It was not a musical. It was a straight play. Um, it was So a, then what's a gay play? It, well, Brooke Shields <laughs> was in it, so it's kind of gay. But um, <laughs> I remember you and I were like, that was good. I vaguely remember, yeah. and you're right. That was like a decade ago. Wow. I feel yeah. like if they're going to do a play for Exorcist, they might as have they might have as well, um, as well have done the musical. Like just take it to like the push the boundaries. Go go full song and Your dance. Your mother sucks cocks <laughs> in hell like that. Matthew. Yeah, pretty much. We're doing some shotgun facts now. Do you guys want to start with yours? Your fun fact for the movie? Uh, Tim, you oh, okay. Uh, my big fun fact is that Jason Miller has two sons in the business. And the big one that he had, the big one, um, the one that, like the most famous is his son, Jason Patrick, who was in The Lost Boys. And his, his other son was the little annoying brother in um, Teen Witch. And, the, and yeah. Jason Miller's father, Karis. Yeah, movie. yeah. He's the priest. Yeah. So his son is Jason Patrick and, from Lost Boys. Yes. And his son, the younger son from Teen Witch, wrote the horror film, uh, The Final Girl. Is it Final Girl or Final Girl? Is that the, I think there's both. The one that yeah. came out where it's like the they went with, back in time? Is it the one with Matt yeah, Ackerman? The, the really good one. Yeah. Wait, so who's who whose son they said that the the youngest is in the the youngest you said wrote Final Girls. Yeah, he was one of the writers. Right. Of the writers. Oh, okay, because I met the director of that film. So I was like, wait, did I meet one of the actors of the Exorcist children? But then I'm like, no, it's okay. I, I just misheard <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, no, the director uh has no connection to the Exorcist. <laughs> okay, so mine. Now I cannot confirm that all of these people. This is correct, but I was looking down a rabbit hole of all of the actresses that were either considered for or auditioned for Reagan, and a lot. Some that I'm not shocked about, but some that I was. One of them I found was the producers wanted Jamie Lee Curtis to audition, but Janet Lee said no. Um, one of them is Denise Nickerson, who was Violet from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but apparently her parents were not into it. Another one was Carrie Fisher. They wanted her and her mom, Debbie Reynolds, to play Reagan and Chris. But then I also found out that Laura Dern apparently auditioned, Kim Basinger, Melanie Griffith, Eve Plum, a.k.a. Jen Brady. Jan Brady. Jen Brady. I love Jen Brady. <laughs> Jan Brady. And that Sharon Stone and Brooke Shields were even considered. Again, don't know if all of these are correct, but that is a lot of actresses that I just could not imagine playing Reagan. <laughs> well, yeah, when I was going through the facts, I was like, I, every time, every other thing would be like someone who almost played Reagan. And I'm like, I did not realize that this many people were supposed to play it. And I feel like it would have been very interesting for some of those people to be Reagan. I mean, I know it was the Debbie Reynolds, Carrie Fisher and something happened where Debbie Reynolds was like, yeah, no, we're not doing this movie. Kim Basinger as Reagan. I just don't she, see it. <laughs> I, Kim Basinger is gorgeous. Well, yeah, I guess, I don't know, but the Jamie Lee Curtis one, I was the most afraid. Cause I'm like, Oh my God. Like, and then they're like, no to the exorcist, but put her in Hollywood Halloween. Yeah. Did, did they want <laughs> Janet Lee as uh, the mother or no? I don't think so. They didn't say it. Just said that she said no, but um, Janet Lee refused. But um, Jamie Lee Curtis is, she was born the same year as Linda Blair. So it was the perfect age. And I could even see her sort of as just like the normal girl type thing. But I'm glad she did Halloween instead. Oh, yeah. Because I think this also like this, all the controversy with the movie, it might have like hurt her career. And, like she would have never done what she did after Halloween. Or, maybe, oh, yeah. or never even got Halloween after that. Because it was yeah, just she so. she probably wouldn't have. Yeah. 
It's a lot of like, what if? Because it was just this movie. I think no one wanted to do it because it was like, I don't want to do a movie about like an exorcist or the devil and all that stuff. So it was probably hard to even get people. That's probably why they thought of so many people. I mean, it must be tough for Linda Blair. I mean, like she must have to talk about the exorcist every single day of her life. Yeah, I mean, I think about that too, but it's like anybody who is in anything big, that's what people remember. And yeah. I mean, I guess in a way, at least she's remembered for something. That, no, that's a, it's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, at least she can go to those conventions and like, you know, if she, it's not really acting anymore, she always has a paycheck with that. All she has to do is turn her head 360 degrees <laughs> around. and she, <laughs> Which I hear is a stunt. No. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> Surprisingly, they asked her, and she said, "No, I just I can't. I'm not an owl. I can't do that." She's like, "I'm at 270 degrees, but not quite 360." <laughs> she couldn't get all the way. Uh, Jimmy, what was your fact? So mine was, um, upon its initial release, the film the film affected some uh, audiences so strongly that many theaters paramedics were called to treat people who fainted and others who went into hysterics. And now I'm thinking about this like fun fact, and I was like, the last I, between. 1973, and I'm going to say 2022 with Terrifier 2, there has never been a horror film that they said paramedics have had to have been called. Did paramedics go for Terrifier 2? There were reports online. I mean, when I saw Terrifier 2 opening night, I was in a sold-out theater. By the time the credits rolled, there were six people left. Really? Wow. There were six. We, 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 was, we saw it. I think only three people. I think a couple of people walked out. Just a few. No, we wow. had we had after the bedroom scene of Terrifier too. We had a eight year old run out of the theater screaming, and then the mother and father got into a huge fight in the lobby, saying, "Why did you take him to this?" Yeah, why did they? Did they not know? like that? No, no, no. There was a reason. The father said his friend saw the first one and thought it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was his excuse. That's hilarious. But uh, no, yeah, Terrifier two. I mean, to me, the first one made me nauseous. This one, I was like just having fun, laughing the whole time. I've never been to a movie where I feel like that. I would just have the. I just have to pass out and like, or see people just passing out around me. That that just blows my mind to think about being in a theater for The Exorcist and just being people going crazy. Or because I read somewhere that people were like running at the screen trying to like kill the devil. I was like. I, this seems like kind of a crazy time to go see a movie at that point. Well, there's always those things I, uh, online saying, like, what movie would you want to go back in time and see opening night? And it's always like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Jaws, and The Exorcist. Uh, and I'm like, I want to see The Exorcist opening night with these people. For like, that reason, Screaming yeah, and passing out. Like, that would be great. There, There's so many. Here's the thing, though. It's like. There's so many grosser films, they just don't get theatrical releases. Like, have you seen Human Centipede or Human Centipede 2? Of course I've seen Human Centipede. <laughs> yeah. Now, if that had gotten a theatrical release, I could see some people vomiting during that. I think The Exorcist hit in 1973. Didn't it open on Christmas, December 25th? I think it, the day after. It was around Christmas, I think. Just in so time for like, the holidays. The, right. Like, it, I feel like it's family. I think everyone was just talking. I think it just hit a cultural time. When people have people are like, there's I, no on demand or right. HBO, so this is all they can see. Movie. The religious, like, I mean, churches were, I mean, I don't think that many, I don't know any, I can't really comment on churches <laughs> and stuff and religion, but I think it just came at a time when a lot of people were going to church. It was really part of people's lives, where I think today people have options. Uh, you know, like, they don't have to go to church, it's not family pushed. 
I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I could be speaking out of turn, but I'm just saying, like, I think at that particular time, religion was much bigger than it is today. No, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. I'm Jewish. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> so um, I think people were like, taking on the devil. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess, yeah, I guess you always forget that now it's like you can you can choose if you want to be a religion or not. And like, I feel like back then it was like, that was what everyone did. And I guess they were not, they were, I guess they were thinking going into a different movie. Like, I, I don't even know. Like, was the trailer scary? I mean, our, I wonder, I mean, maybe they walked into the wrong theater. Our grandparents decided to go see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not knowing what it was. They didn't care for it. I think they left about five minutes in, but they, they, they decided to go see it one night. When I guess it first also because there wasn't a lot of movies out, so like they just would go to go, and then like, it's like if you don't like it, you don't go, you don't, you can leave. But I guess before they can leave, they passed out. <laughs> I just think it's funny, but I also heard that the majority of people like they weren't passing out because of like the possession scenes. It was the hospital scenes yeah. when they're doing those procedures on her, which are very detailed. Like the the shot in her neck with the blood coming off. That made me a little queasy. I didn't care about the devil. Like, I cared about the shot in her neck. They actually said that, was, I think, after the movie came out, wh whatever that procedure was, they've used that video as, like, a training video of how to do it because that's how realistic it was. Or just the fact that the um, doctor and the mom were smoking, having conversations in the hospital. But that yeah. was, like, just the 70s, that's you know? bizarre <laughs> to me because, like, my entire life, it's always, like, smoking's bad for you, but... I guess in 73, it was a free It's film. like seeing people smoke in restaurants. Or that, airplanes. Like, is crazy to me. But yes, you could smoke in restaurants. Yeah, that, yeah, I guess it's just a different time. So it's just, the way, you had to put yourself in that time and see like what people were thinking. But yeah, so mine was um, uh, both Eileen uh, Deertz and Mercedes uh, Mackenbridge. If I'm, pronounced, I'm probably pronouncing those wrong. But they, who both contributed to Reagan's like demon role. Uh, one providing the stunts and the other providing the uh, the voice and all that, uh, said that the, direct, the director tried to cover up their participation in the movie, trying to give Linda Blair sole credit in hopes to get her an Oscar nomination and even a win. The plan backfired and got Blair a nomination, but the scandal put a bad taste in people's mouths, and they said that's why she lost uh, the Oscar. So she could have won it if no one knew about that. I'm wondering if, because... I know Linda Blair had to say all the really yeah. you know, explicit lines because obviously they had to match with her um, her lips and stuff. But like, so I would love to see a version where you hear the track of just Linda yeah, okay. Blair saying them, <laughs> like without the demon voice, you know, of like a little girl saying, "Your mother sucks cocks in hell." They said like it was stunning actors. They were like, I, they would forget their lines because they would be like, because she was so sweet, and all of a sudden she would just like yeah. be able to like in a snap of the hat, just like do whatever she was doing. Well, I know that when she was masturbating with the crucifix in the one scene, I don't know if masturbation is the right word or just stabbing herself with it in her vagina, <laughs> but there was, I don't think she knew exactly what she was doing. The director was like, okay, take the crucifix and there's a blood box down there and just, just stab it, just stab it. And that's all you got to do. Well, they, she said so they that they tried to protect her as much as they could, but I mean, they also said that she like, she was religious and stuff, but they never, I guess in church, they never brought up the devil by name. So like he, she just thought it was like a fictional character and she was like, oh, okay, like whatever, like it's part of the movie. I also, I read that in the novel, 
that masturbation scene is in the novel and it's a lot longer and that she like reaches orgasm. Yeah, I've read that too. Which is so creepy and weird and also violent. And so I'm glad that they didn't put that in the movie. No comment. I think that's in, (laughs) I think that's in the director's cut. I thought I read that that, that they, they, they shot a longer version. Maybe it's a longer version, but I don't think she ever like reached climax in this. Because I've seen the director's cut. That's, that's actually the only version I've seen up until I rewatched it for the podcast when I had to rent it. And I was like, wait, where's this? Where's that? Where's this? So like I no spider walk, no spider walk. No. Um, when, um, when Chris McNeil's in the kitchen, the face doesn't pop up on the, the oven hood. I thought that, I thought those second. I thought those images were in the regular not one. Not all of them. There's oh, one or two, but not that one. I was waiting for that one because I remember seeing that one. Yeah, because I saw a few of them. I didn't see one in the kitchen because I was wondering why the lights were flashing. But I I might have been to like help put that like image in seamlessly. <laughs> um. So now that we have some information about the movie, Jimmy, can you please share a summary about what the Exorcist is about? Okay. They had some weird summaries. I have to say that like really didn't even describe the movie. It like described it as like. A different movie that was like at the end. Also, they had to perform an exorcism. I'm like, that was a weird description, but go. So when a teenage girl is possessed by a mysterious entity, her mother seeks the help of two priests to save her daughter. The other ones literally were like um, all these like a priest, a, a, a priest turned psychiatrist and a, an actress mother meet and form an alliance to save their daughter. I'm like, you're missing out like a lot of the movie, I feel like. A, a priest, a mom, and a doctor walk into a bar. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and those are our shotgun facts. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Brecker Nurse, and I want to tell you about my fun horror movie podcast called Autopsy of a Horror Movie. On my show, I like to have fun dissecting out what makes a horror movie scary, what worked for it, what didn't, what types of fears does it play off of. Is it an allegory for any sort of message? I don't know, but let's find out. Also, I like to watch slashers. I'm a big slasher guy, so I'll watch a slasher and do a kill grade for it. I will cover the kills and I will tell you how I would grade it based on shock, method, style points, and a fourth category that is a reflection of the movie. Besides those, I'll have fun with special topic episodes, commentary tracks, interviews with guests, including some Shutter directors, so I just like to have a fun time over here. If any of this sounds interesting to you or you just want to come check me out, please head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere they listen to podcasts and search for Autopsy of a Horror Movie. Also, be sure to find me on Instagram at Brucker Horror, where you get fun updates and some cool little posts that I do. Thanks for listening, and I hope that you get to enjoy the show, and I'll see you on Instagram. Bye. And we're back. Uh, we're talking about The Exorcist number... 228 uh so now what we do is we kind of just talk about do you think it should be on the top 250 list at all and is number 228 an appropriate number for it so we'll start with you guys i mean yes i do think it should be i mean it's a pretty groundbreaking movie for its time not that that means it's one of the best movies but it's just what like i of when you okay when you think of horror like Tim was saying, it's definitely one that everyone we talk to says had an impact on them. And if you can make an impact on that many people, even people who do not love horror, then it's a memorable, effective movie. So, yeah, 
And I think it probably is rated right around where it should be. I'm sure there's other movies that are better, like 227 of them. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, it's a great groundbreaking horror movie. I actually wish it was higher up on the list. I mean, I'm assuming number one's like the number like What is number one, by the way? Number, number one is Shawshank Redemption. Oh. oh God. Oh, <laughs> never heard of it. <laughs> no, I actually, I think it's, I, I think it's a wonderful film and I wish it was higher up and not in the 220s. No, you're right. I see that. But Shawshank Redemption, I can't get into it. That, that was a, yeah, we, we covered that one already. It was, it was a good movie, but I, I'm not sure why it's number one. I mean, I, I get why people love it, but in nothing, I know you two are both straight. I do not think it's a straight man's film. That's all I'm going to say. You know what? That is very heterophobic. <laughs> that is heterophobic, <laughs> and I will not stand for it. Let me retract that. I'm just saying I know a lot of straight men that really appreciate the Shawshank Redemption. But I think it should be an exorcist. You want to hear something? I've never seen the Shawshank It'll Redemption. Get ready I know for that, that. That's embarrassing. You know what? Bit. Yeah. I did watch it on a plane going to L.A. That Does that count for oh. something? <laughs> I was like, did, here's, you, did you fall asleep? <laughs> no, but I'm like, here's three hours of my life I need to kill. So I'll watch the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Jimmy, do you think it should be on the top 250 list? And do you think 228 is, the, or yeah, 228 I is think, the right number? I think it should be much higher. I How high? In, in the top 50. top 50. I think this is, I love this movie. And I remember watching, okay, so I had COVID for the first time like a couple weeks ago. And this is like when I watched this film. And I had, like, my friends, had, they were over because we all live in this big house. And I had my own little annex room. And they were like, do you want to come outside but sit far away from us? And I'm like, no, I'm very comfortable in bed, comfy and cozy watching The Exorcist. And they're like, you're crazy. How are you so relaxed? I'm like, I don't know. I had the best sleep that night. I have no problems watching this movie. It's a comfort movie. Yeah, First I had to, off, how did you avoid COVID for that long? I Congratulations no on that. I have no idea. But yeah, I think, I, I don't know if I would go as high as, I feel like in the hundreds is definitely a good spot. It definitely should be on the list. It is a very good movie. I mean, you watched it at night, very cozy. I, I had to watch it during the day because, you know, I didn't want to take any chance of being too spooked out. But, you know, um, do you guys think, like, because I, I was, I saw a lot of the reviews. It said it's the greatest horror movie of all time. Is that a true statement, Jimmy? As a horror film in general, possibly, but when you go into demonic films, it's it's weird because like demonic, when you then you split up the horror genre, then it's like, okay, well, Slasher, I think Scream was the best horror film. Demonic, I would think The Exorcist, though I just saw Talk to Me and I thought that was unbelievable. Oh, so good. And then, I mean, then you go into like, like, I don't know, like a Stephen King. I think Stephen King's his own genre. I think Carrie is excellent. Um, So, like, I feel like it's just, as a horror film, it's excellent, but there are ones that are also, like, right up there. Do you guys yeah, think Yeah, that's it, really hard. I was going to say, do you think it's that? Very subject, it's, it's very subjective, and especially, like you were saying, you know, as horror, like, lovers... There's always that subgenre you gravitate toward, and Tim and I gravitate toward slashers, um, even though we watch all horror. Um, one of the best horror movies of all time, and definitely. Um, subjectively, it's not my favorite horror movie think, of all time. I think what the movie does really, really well is the characterization of the mother. Like, sometimes, like, as she's kind of campy when she's got her breakdowns and, like, she's an actress, 
who's dealing with something like her daughter like it's for that aspect i think it it holds up really really well but um uh, yeah i mean what was the question is it the greatest horror horror film or like the scariest movie of all time like is it let's say at the time it came out yeah oh yeah at the time it came out but then like Black Christmas came out in 74, and that's one of my favorite horror movies of all time, and that was one year later. And then Halloween came out in 1978, and that is my favorite horror movie of all time. So it's like, you know, the stakes are always raised. But when it comes to demonic possession movies, there, there's been so many, but I can't remember any that stuck with me like The Exorcist of all of them. So now do you think it's the scariest, like one of the scariest movies of all time? I mean, no. I, it's really hard to scare me these days. I can get disturbed. Like, we were just talking about Talk to Me. Like, that was not easy viewing. I, I mean, I guess because The Exorcist is 50 years At old. At the time, yes. Again, it's like it's so tough because we weren't even born when – I mean, we're old, but we're not that old. <laughs> we weren't even born when The Exorcist came out. But I can imagine at the time that being the scariest movie anyone had ever seen. Yeah. But, like, there's so many horror movies out that – touch on so many different fears and and it's also what scares you personally i am you know i grew up jewish so none of the devil and demonic possession shit was even in my understanding because i didn't have that in our religion that's true so for me that was always just a fictionalized thing now if you grew up a devout catholic and you were told you know stay away from i don't know demons or something like that maybe that would tap into a really innate fear of yours so for me, no, but for others, I could see it being incredibly scary. I mean, I know my girlfriend is a big horror fan as well. Like, you know, she has a stuffed Michael Myers doll that is in the big. She has to like have it with, and she goes. To she sleep. has a whole leg tattooed of just horror movies. Yeah, she has a, yeah. a leg tat, a leg sleeve. She has a Sam doll right. Is that next all Michael Myers back there? Uh, oh. No, I have a. We have Michael Myers pillow. We have the figures from Halloween up here. We have other, and then I have a whole display case of horror movie figures, but two of the shelves. Are all Halloween? Yes, oh, she's, cool. she's the same way. No, I, I know. think she has a Michael, two Michael Myers masks, and I think one from Season of the Witch. So like she's, but The Exorcist she will not watch. She will not. She will not do anything with it. Is she, was she? Did she grow up a devout Catholic? She grew up Catholic. I don't know if it was devout, but I knew she grew up Catholic, and it's important. It's like an important aspect of her life. So I know that she is like she went to Catholic school all twelve years. So I know, but that probably means yeah. she believes in it enough that she doesn't want to mess with that shit, which yeah. I get. Yes, and I know, like I'm always like, I would love to just find a Ouija board at a garage sale and frame it. Absolutely not. Wait, that was another thing about the movie. The mom saw that little Ouija <laughs> yeah. thing. What is that called? The move. The uh, yeah. And. She- it wasn't a bigger discussion. She was like, "Oh, yeah, Reagan, you're playing itself. tricks." She's like, "Oh, you've been talking to <laughs> yeah. Captain Howdy. That's great. Have a nice, have another friend." I was like, you, "We need to talk about." You that. know what's funny? I, as a teenager, um, because I was fearless, I think back then, I used to do the Ouija board with my friends all the time, and we had some really scary shit happen. Like, too long a story to mention on the podcast, but. With that, under, no, with that understanding, I remember like the cardinal rule of Ouija boards is you never do it on your own because then like you're more susceptible to things happening. So I remember when I first saw The Exorcist and she was like, yeah, I've been playing it on my own this whole time. And I'm like, well, there you go, girl. Right. Like- In the basement by herself. What a creeper. <laughs> <laughs> See, like. I, I feel like it's not now. I I I'm the person in the movie theater that will literally jump up at, like out of my seat, talk to the theater, talk to the screen, 
I'm not. I like the horror movies, but they scare me a lot. Um, so like The Exorcist, weirdly, and no one believes me with this. I don't think it's that scary. I've seen it twice, and I don't find it particularly scary. Maybe because it's maybe because it was in the seventies or whatever. But the only scene that does that, like, stayed with me after watching it a second time, was the exorcist, the exorcism as a whole. That was creepy. But I think the other stuff, I, I don't know. It it just doesn't like talk to me. I couldn't sleep the next night that night because that was creepy. That I mean, was scary. Talk to me. I walked out of the theater. And I was like, when can I buy that hand? No, and you keep can't. it in my room. <laughs> well, but but I mean, again, I guess what I would say is, if you, I, mean, I assume that the first time you saw or the two times you saw The Exorcist were at home versus in a movie theater. Right? I saw Obviously. both at home. The first time I was with two friends around Halloween, we were just joking around. I think that's why it wasn't at all scary to me because, like, you're just kind of like talking shit about the movie, all that stuff, like making fun of it. Yeah. This one, I was by myself. I watched it at daytime, so obviously I was scared to watch it just in case it creeped me out at night. But like the only scene that I was like, "Well, that's kind of creepy." was the whole exorcism scene because it got it, it it felt like the movie shifted in like a different tone it also it's like whatever frame of mind like now imagine if you had seen it 50 years ago obviously you wouldn't have been alive in a movie theater with a full crowd of people reacting like obviously talk to me came out this year i'm sure you saw it in a theater that was probably packed yeah. and everybody's reacting yeah. like it's just such a different experience like no, i used yeah. to tell people the have you seen i'm sure you've seen the paranormal activity mm-hmm. movies i don't Oof. know if you love yeah, them or hate I, them, the, I only but, seen the first like few ones but yeah they're 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 fun to watch but they're they're creepy uh, yeah i dragged him to that okay. that first one so i remember seeing i we saw all of them in the movie theater but seeing them in the movie theater it scared the shit out of me oh, yeah. but then we rewatched some of them for the podcast because we were lucky enough to interview um katie and mika from the first one oh that's so cool and re-watching it at home just you know at home it's just kind of a slow sort of movie so it's all about like like what time of day where you are the sound there's so much that contributes i feel like to how you're afraid if you're at home alone watching at midnight in the dark that's going to be different oh my god you said that like you watched it twice recently but also like you've seen i don't know hundreds thousands of other movies you know what I mean? So it's really tough to oh, differentiate yeah. like what you have in your brain. And then all of a sudden, I think in 1973, I was like, oh, my God, because no one's seen anything. like. Wait, that. do that again. Oh, my God. <laughs> OK. No, and that that's what we do. We do a bunch of older movies on the on the podcast now because it's the IMD top 250. And you always have to, like, put yourself in what that time was. And I if I saw that in the seven in 73, I probably I probably would have been the one that the paramedics came for. But like it's well, just you, like you would have shit your pants. Yeah, probably. probably. Had a, to be honest, during you would have had a clean slate. During Insidious Two, he did lose control of all four of his limbs. Yeah, I just like that one four scene. of the, oh oh. Like I just oh saw, I was sitting next to him and I just see all like his legs and arms just go flying up. He jumped out of his seat at one scene. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to call an ambulance because I think he might have had a heart attack. So, yeah, I make fun of the people at The Exorcist, but it probably would have been me, probably. Let's let's be honest here. That's but I, funny. I mean, people say this is the scariest movie. What is the scariest movie for you you guys? Oh, God. That's a hard question. Um, the only movie that, like, scares like the, me and I... It, like, upsets you the most, like like something like that. It's such a tough decision because, okay, so, again, it's such, like, the times of my lives, like... For instance, you lies. You're more than one of <laughs> my lives. I have multiple <laughs> lives. I'm a cat. Um, no, I am. Um, okay, and I always go back to this, but when I was 11 and saw the original Halloween for the first time, it scared the shit out of me because of the idea of this 
you know, creepy, emotionless, masked guy following people home from school, following them home. And I was a kid and that terrified me at the time. Obviously, watching it now doesn't scare me nearly as much because I'm much older and I've seen it a million times. Movies that when I first saw them really scare me, this is a really weird one and people never agree with me on this, but for some reason, when I saw Event Horizon for the first time, it's like a sci-fi scary movie. There's a lot of really creepy parts in that that deal with like seeing like his dead wife that just scared the shit out of me. Um, when I saw Insidious Part 3 for the first time, something about that like that ghost that was uh well yeah but you still get scared but like something about that that ghost that like can barely breathe coming after really scared the shit out of me um it's hard to say movies because it's usually parts of movies that disturb me and it's based on something i'm either experiencing at the time or something else i was really freaked out the first time i saw the blair witch project i mean i was 17 or 18 and like i had heard the hype and i that ending scene was terrifying so it's so hard to answer that because we've been asked that, but I don't, yeah. I mean, the one film that gave me nightmares and I had to like knock on my parents' door, like, I'm scared. Um, when I was nine, I watched Psycho 2 on TV. I know. Okay, so <laughs> Psycho, are you familiar with Psycho 2? Yes. Okay, so there's a quick, it's so quick, but when, um, is it Jennifer Tilly? Jennifer. Meg Tilly. Meg, Meg Tilly goes down in the basement <laughs> And uh, she's hiding the wig or she's putting the wig in the, in the I'm just gave away the ending, but she just kind of glances over at the coal and like she sees um, her 40 years old. I think it's okay. 40 years <laughs> old. Yeah, I'm giving it away. She, she looks over to the coal and she sees her mom's head in the coal, like with her mouth open like this, like, like frozen. I had nightmares for a week because when I went to sleep at night, I saw that face in the coal. Let's see parts of movies, it's right? One part. Yeah. But that I think stuck I, with me I mean I, life. I understand the one part because actually the scene did you guys see Nope? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so the scene where uh Jean Jacket literally eats everyone at the uh Star Lasso experience and they're just being digested. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw that I actually almost got up and left the theater because I was so upset with that that scene. Wow. That scene. But I think I was more upset by the monkey attacking the people on the set. <laughs> For some reason, that freaked me out because I'm like, what would I do if a rabid monkey was coming I don't remember one frame of note. Really? I, I, mean, I, I know exactly the scene you're talking I mean, about, and I, I thought it was a great scene. I remember really your scene as well. I'm yeah. like a claustrophobic person, so I'm like, they're just being smushed in this digestive tract of this alien thing, and I'm just like, nope, I, I can't do this. But nope. eventually, it, nope. you know what? Ended. Another thing that terrifies me: underwater scenes where they're running out of air. Oh my god, yeah. I can't. <laughs> that disturbs me. But again, it's all based on your own fears. I think also the reason why I've never been as scared by like supernatural stuff is I'm not sure how much I truly believe in all of that. I mean, enough that I don't want to do the Ouija board by myself. But like, uh, but like slasher movies i think they appeal to me because i'm like oh wow there really could be someone in my backyard waiting for me with a Did knife you believe every frame in the exorcist a hundred percent every frame <laughs> but i think you're right though it's also like what you're seeing like for the first time in a theater how old you are i think it's so many factors of like what truly can scare you so like exorcist would terrify people but some people now it's so you have like you have like so, movies like that are so over the top and either like scary like talk to me or like grotesque like terrifier 2 where it's just like it's all blood it's like so people many people are desensitized now where it's like you really have to like 
up your game. And back then the game was like, so like so high already. So people are just building on top of the exorcist now in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think that a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the reviews I was reading, a lot of people don't think, consider it technically like horror. They consider it more of a thriller, which I kind of see their perspective. It's more of like the suspense leads up to the exorcism. And then that's more of the horror part, but it's more of a psychological thriller about kind of the mom and the, the, the kind of like the priest and the mom and the daughter. I mean, to be honest, I, I think it's horror. And the reason why I think people maybe don't say horror is because nowadays there's been so many, like you said, Terrifier 2s or Saw movies that you think horror equals tons of killing and gore and blood and guts. And because this doesn't have it, people are like, oh, well, it's not really horror because blah, 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 blah. I think it truly is horror because the idea of a demon or, or devil like uh, taking over a young girl and I mean, she literally is responsible for multiple deaths in it as the demon. And that, to me, is horror. And I just think maybe people nowadays think horror has to equal tons of killing. I think there's actually a lot of 70s movies that people would say is not horror just because they don't fit the standards of what horror is today. But that, that's just my opinion. I mean, Halloween has no blood at all. There's, mm-hmm. I, I don't even, I don't think there's, maybe there's like a trickle of blood on like Laurie's arm when he's, slices her arm but besides that that that's it but maybe maybe the exorcist was more of like a horror drama like what people consider now like elevated horror but it was just before everything kind of it was that term i would see it more as elevated horror yeah i guess that's yeah i I can see now i'm thinking about like a24 movies that like have elevated like concepts this kind of had it before people were ever even doing that do you think it still holds up like do you think it feels dated at all absolutely not um, I, I think, you know, I don't remember which one of you said that, like, the whole exorcism scene is strong. I actually, Me. like, that's when I really got interested in the movie. Like, I will say I was kind of in and out and, like, uh, but definitely kept my attention the last, like, 10 minutes and when, like, I'm mm-hmm. giving away the ending. But, um, like, when he tackles her to the ground, I think he punches her, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I was like, okay, like, obviously he doesn't want to punch a 12-year-old girl. So it's like. Why not? Well, you know, it's not nice. Um, so it's like, um, it, to go to these extremes, I was like really into it. I was like, wow, this movie is going there. Like he literally punched a 12 year old girl, but I, we get it. She's possessed. She's the devil. But, um, like that's when I was like, wow, this movie's got something when the extremes, the, 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 the stakes are so high that like, okay, like he's possessed. So he jumps out the window. Like I I think the ending is just really good. Yeah, but See, he- I'm a little different. I, Oh. Does he jump out the window because he's possessed, or does he jump out the window so he's killing the demon? He has to kill the demon. Yeah. yeah, because there's that flash of him still himself, yeah. and he realizes like, the only way to get rid of the and... demon is to sacrifice himself. Okay, yeah. that's why I wanted um, to make sure. Yeah, I um, I'm I'm a little different than Tim. I actually love a slow burn movie, which is why I love you know the original Halloween. A lot of people who watch Halloween today are just like, God, it takes other than the opening scene, it takes so long for anything to happen. I love that because gives you a chance to get to know the characters, to build the tension, to build the suspense. So The Exorcist is like, it's it's totally a slow burn, but I love that because then I become invested. And when they finally do give you those big, crazy scenes, like the end scene, then I'm like all there, yeah. you know? So I, I do think it holds up by standards of people who like those types of horror movies, which is very much myself. I think Ellen Bernstein is Ellen Bernstein? Bernstein. Bernstein and, and Betsy Palmer really really hold together Friday 13th and um the exorcist like i mean their performances for me 
is the reason that these movies still hold up. I think I think um, Linda Blair. I think all the acting was extremely well. I thought, and it still holds up. And like I can see why they could have, why they got Oscars, why they should have even won Oscars. I mean, there were so many good things about this movie: technical and in front of the camera and behind the camera, the sound, the writing, the directing. I'd put a little side note on that because reading some of the, the trivia about the movie, it seems like the director did some weird things, but putting that aside and focusing just on what he directed, it was a very good job. I, I, I think I, I do appreciate a slow burn, but I feel like for a two hour movie, I feel like a, like Halloween is like an hour and a half. So I'm like a slow burn for like an hour and a half movie works perfectly because you're able to build and not really do much and then have the big ending. But the exorcist had certain things where I was like, why are they in Iraq? Like what, I mean, what does that fully mean to the movie? Or like, what, like why are they having these certain scenes where I'm like, I feel like they could have cut them and still have the slow burn and still have the payoff. But that was just me. I mean, you can't look at me because I think Midsommar is a masterpiece and that's almost three hours and that is the slowest burn ever. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think that, that everything in The Exorcist, it flew by. When I watched this, it flew by. I'm not saying it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't like it didn't hurt the movie for me, but I was just like, okay, it took a little bit to get into it, but once I was into it, I was I into al- it. I also think maybe because I had only seen the director's cut multiple times that I'm like, wow, this is really short. And then I'm like, oh wait, no, that's a half hour missing of the movie. I you, can say, so you were used to even more. Yeah, I'm used to more. <laughs> and they only, do you guys think that they should have used the theme more than just once in the film? I was, okay, so for some reason I remember it playing all the time. So I rewatched it again. I was like, it barely plays throughout the movie. And then I read like a bunch of reviews saying like, or a bunch of trivia saying it's only four times. And I'm like, I remember that. What's that thing where it's like you thought something? The, uh, man, the Mandela. The effect. Mandela effect. I thought the movie had it throughout the whole movie. I score. mean, I sing it to myself all the time. So does that count? <laughs> uh, that's all you got to do. No, it is weird that it's only the, the, I mean, I know it's played more than once, but the only time I remember it is when she's walking in that beautiful autumn scene. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, it's such a great theme. I almost am wondering why it wasn't almost like a Halloween theme where they play it in the opening credits, but maybe it just, it just, that just wasn't what they were going for. Yeah. They play it at the end credits, but like after the song, after kind of the music they played in the beginning credits, like they're kind of like those, like, uh, like, I don't know what the music is. It sounds like a bunch of choir. Like it's called tubular bells. No, no, I know that's the actual, (laughs) I know that's the actual music. Thank you. The, in the beginning, it's like a bunch of like choir that like kind of like has that like very like eerie, singing to it like the omen yeah sort of but they did that in the beginning in the end but then had the tubular bells at the end after that it is where yeah it's it, it doesn't it's not one cohesive story of music it is very weird because you're like the beginning like i said it doesn't mix with that theme even though the theme is so good yeah um but then again like you were saying the beginning scene you know what i wondered and i don't know what you guys thought of this so in the opening scene when father Marin is on the dig and he finds the little statue, and then you see the big statue of the demon. Are we supposed to think that that is what unleashed this demon into society again, or is that just completely separate? That was a question <laughs> I think a lot of people ask. I mean, I'm not sure. To me, I feel like they only call him in because he's kind of like an expert at this demon. Oh, no, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you meant, like, but is that the demon? The catalyst. 
is the dig well, the catalyst? Did he start all this? No, I think the Ouija board is the catalyst. But from that demon, though? No, I, I don't think so. Because it I shows think... it again at the end. Like, it kind of like... Yes, because that's the demon that's possessing her. But I think the Ouija board, her playing with it, and him, the demon being like, oh, I'm Captain Howdy. Like, let's play games. But I do think... you think that's the demon, though, is the one from the beginning that got yes. possessed her? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I can't remember the name of the demon in the movie. But no, not yeah. who? Yes, yes, yes. I think he's just there. He <laughs> wanted Reagan. Reagan was there. Because yeah. there's a there, I mean, there's a theory that it really the demon wanted the the psychiatrist priest one, like he they it was really going for him, and then he went through Reagan to get to him. Well, I mean that makes sense also because he kept taunting him too throughout the movie when yeah. he was Dimmy, with Reagan. Demi, Demi, <laughs> why you do this to me? <laughs> the best. So we're gonna we're gonna move on because our Zoom is running out again. So I want to get through the rest of the episode. Um, so we have a game right now that we're gonna play. Win, lose. Uh, the Exorcist is the first horror film to be nominated for the Academy Award at the, uh, for Best Picture. There are five other like horror genre type movies to be nominated. I'm gonna read the tagline, and you're gonna try and guess the movie. So once I read it, you guys can just call it out. Whoever wants to try it. So the first one is. Do you belong in this neighborhood? And it's a movie that's been nominated for Best Picture. Oh, and it's horror. Yeah, Get Out. Yes. Oh, oh. oh. I was like the burp. I was like. <laughs> um, the next one is, um, on the on the Fourth of July, fishing season will open on you. I was the first. I was going to say. I know what you did last Jaws? summer. Yeah, Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. Jaws. I was going to say Deer Hunt. No. <laughs> I know what you did, Les. <laughs> that was up for best. That was sure. definitely Jennifer Love Hewitt almost got up. Oh, she's yeah. so good. Uh-huh. She was snubbed because you know they they were like, oh, someone else did her performance like Reagan. They someone else didn't. did her voice. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. are you waiting big, for, huh? What are you waiting for, huh? Was totally dubbed by um, uh, Glenn Close. Yeah. <laughs> do you think Do you think the performance being dubbed by someone else hurt the performance or no? Just really quick side note. No, because I, I mean, she still did everything. She was still laying there and all that makeup. No, that's what I think too. I just wanted to do everything. Oh, yeah, I think. And again, she said the line. She did everything. I mean, I know some of the stunts were done by Eileen. No matter what a good actor you are, you can't do demon voice. But the voice (laughs) needed to be a little bit deeper. A 12-year-old voice wouldn't be as scary. No, I agree. I just wanted to see what everyone else thought. Unless they actually possessed Linda Blair, which Well, that production had some weird stuff happen. So who knows? Maybe she was possessed. I don't know. The third (laughs) one uh, is to enter the mind of a killer, she must challenge the mind of a madman. Silence of the Lamb. Yes. Um, this one, I don't know if you guys are going to get this one. Let's see. It, I wouldn't know if I would get it. Now You Believe in Ghosts. Ghostbusters. <laughs> no, wait. Um, now You Believe in Ghosts? Ghosts. Yes. Best picture. Ghosts. Was no. Ghost no. nominated? I don't think so. It wasn't Ghost. Can you give me like a little... It, it was a 1999. 1999 horror movie. I mean, I was alive. No, I mean, and we probably <laughs> saw it. No, you definitely. It's a, it's a very, it's a big movie. It's just the taglines weren't great for this movie, really. Now or the you one believe that, in ghosts. It didn't. All, the ones that didn't give it away weren't that great. Give us one actor. One actor. One actor. This is gonna give it away, but I'll see who can get it first. Bruce Willis. Oh, Sixth Sense. Yeah. Oh, the Sixth Sense. Yeah. Uh, we just blew out your earplugs. Yeah. <laughs> and then the final one is. It's technically like. In the horror-esque, like, you know, world, people consider it, I guess. I just want to be perfect. You're not going to get it, I feel like. This is a terrible tagline to guess this movie. It was in 2010. 
Yeah. Showgirls. Nineteen ninety-five. Megan. Wait, two thousand ten. Megan. Two thousand ten. I just want to be, be perfect. perfect. That's not best picture. Two thousand ten. You said. Yeah. I just want to be perfect. What's another actor? Okay, so the actor Mila Kunis. Oh, Black Swan. Oh, uh, Black Swan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I don't consider that. Oh horror. my god! I remember that movie, but I guess that was horror. Yeah. I, I mean, I it's... I don't know what Black Swan is about. People say it's about an eating disorder. I Did you know. see it? Of course. Oh. <laughs> but I mean, like, I didn't. I I didn't. It, the movie has many levels. Yeah. Man. It could. It could. It could be. Miss. It could be interpreted as a lot of different things. I feel like that movie. Yeah. It could be interpreted as you want to turn into a bird just to be perfect. It's a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, Mila Kunis went out and dated Ashton Kutcher. Married. There it is. That 70s show. <laughs> yeah. Nominated for Best Picture. Back mm-hmm. to the 70s. Back to Exorcist. We, we tied a full circle. Right. Um, okay. So the next thing we're going to do is MVP, LVP. So we give our most valuable player of the movie for The Exorcist and our least valuable player. Jimmy, what's your most valuable player? I'm going to say Linda Blair. I'm going to go Linda Blair as well. What, what, what would be your MVPs? Tim, you gotta go. Oh, I, I guess I, Linda Blair. Do is does it have to be a person? It could be it? literally anything that was your favorite part of it. Okay, mine is the uh, green vomit because <laughs> well because it 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 was so effective in terms of being gross. It hit both priests right in the face, and apparently I read one of them. I think Father Jason Miller wasn't expecting it to that too. It goes all over her pillow. It's gross as fuck, and it was very effective. So that's my MVP. That's actually, that's a good MVP. That's a good one. And then it makes you want to have some split pea soup after the movie. Never actually. <laughs> <laughs> it made me nauseated. Um, and then uh, LVP. I'll go with the slow start to the movie. Jimmy, is there not? There has to be something. There's got to be something. Um, I don't know the weird the weird director guy. Who randomly dies? Oh yeah. yeah. Or, oh, the one that's Burke. like trashed at the wedding. Okay, okay, are you ready for our LVP? We talked about this yeah. together. <laughs> Ours is Sharon. She was so inconsequential. <laughs> is that like, like the, the, the assistant? Nanny. Oh, the, the nanny. The nanny the assistant, assistant woman. Well, actually, she was the assistant. But again, is she an assistant? Is she a nanny? Does she matter? Like that's the whole <laughs> thing in it. That you know what? Now you say that I was like, this woman just is running around screaming, doing nothing. But just exactly. there in the she room. So, Help the actress. She's so inconsequential. Like she just the big. Her biggest scene is when she calls. I think is it the father the detective over to see the help me on her stomach. But like everything else is just like who who's that? But really, yeah, if you think about it, forgettable. If she did, if she even didn't do the help me thing, it, they, it the movie still would have happened. It's she's still possessed. Exactly. She still knew that she was inside. So there was no. She had no purpose. I okay. That's a that's a good it one. Was, She's just hanging out. It's Helen's movie, really. <laughs> so the final thing we're going to do is ratings. We're going to throw a little sound in there. And use rated out of 10. And I'll give it a, a 9. What would you guys give it? Hold on. My, calcul- a- my oh, sorry, calculator app uh, is loading. Because <laughs> I can't. So I'm going to give it a 10. 10? Really? Yeah, I think it's a great movie. I'm uh, going to give it a 9. Okay. So I'm, 9, 10, and I'm going to give it a 10. So that's nine and a half. I actually can do that math in my head. Okay. That and so it, we were much higher than the IMDb score. That does IMDb score is only eight point one. So eight point one out of ten. Oh, wow. So we went but much I mean, higher. How many people have rated it? Like millions. Well, <laughs> you know what it is? I think a lot of people rate it low because like they're Catholic and they're just it's not. Oh, I was just gonna say, of course. Or yeah. people it's just anti-religion, even though it's not. It's yeah. just yeah. So or I'm sure there's a lot of bad ratings. People just don't watch it because they're terrified of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But, Jimmy, close us out with your clues for next week. Um, 
we got a uh, a sci-fi horror. There might uh, be some robots. There might? There might okay. be some robots. And uh, there might be some chests that have holes in them. But yeah, that was that was the end of the show. And we're also running out of Zoom, uh, our Zoom time, so it kind of works out perfectly. Uh, thank you guys so much for being on. It was so fun to talk to you guys about it. Thank you for thank having you us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. If a slasher somehow, if we find another more slasher film on the INDB Top 250, we'll give you a call to come come back on with us. Definitely. We'd love it. Friday the 13th. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Scream 7 will be on Yeah, the maybe top Scream 7 will enter the Top 250. Uh, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, see you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, talk to you guys later. Thanks so much for listening. You can hear us anywhere you listen to podcasts, and we want to hear what you think, so leave us a review. Give us some likes on social media at Pop Review. Click around www.poppoorreview.com. Become a member of our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash review for exclusive content and drink recipes. And one last thing before you go, make sure to check out the Titan Media Collective and Titan Cast Network. Enjoy the rest of your movie Monday. That was a Titan cast episode.